listening to The Mindful Creative, the podcast about emotional health for creative wealth. Brought to you by Creatives for Creatives, this podcast was founded on the belief that looking after our emotional health and mindset brings us a wealth of creativity and joy in our creative pursuits. Welcome my fellow creatives to episode four of The Mindful Creative, the magic of embracing your authentic inner voice. Joining me in this episode is Lauren Carnes, a photographer, communications strategist, and lover of storytelling. Most days you can find her styling and shooting recipes, exploring new cities to capture the true essence of the town, or partnering with creative small businesses to enable them to share their story through authentic imagery that speaks to their ideal audience. Lauren also regularly contributes to the Rising Tide Society with her passion for authentic communications and her inspiring outlook that lighting each other's candles only makes the world shine brighter. This episode, Lauren and I are going to be exploring the idea of embracing your inner authentic voice, and why it's not only important in standing out in this cookie-cutter industry, but is vital in pursuing a fulfilling creative journey. We're going to chat about what it means to show up to the party, even when you're wearing a lobster costume. If you want to connect with Lauren, you can find her embracing her inner lobster through her Instagram stories at Lauren L. Carnes. If you want to take a peek at her work, then head on over to laurencarnes.com. So I've got Lauren on the line. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So we're talking about embracing your inner authentic voice. And um, I'd just love to know from you today, like what you were doing or what life was like before you found your inner voice? Yeah, that's such a great question. So to give you a little background, my background is in communications. And I started out in a PR agency and worked in an agency for about six years before picking up the camera again. I was the yearbook editor in high school. So I decided that I wanted to pursue something new and picked up a camera and was pursuing wedding photography. And wedding photography is an awesome industry. It's a lot of fun, but anyone who knows anything about it, they know that yes, while weddings seem glamorous, there also is a lot of hustle that goes into it. So I was trying to fit in in an industry that was kind of promoting this concept of the hustle and the overwork and the overwhelm was just bearing down on me really quickly. I was in a season of immense burnout and I was sitting there feeling really guilty about the fact that people would kill to own their own business and be able to live and thrive in this industry that is full of creatives and people who are kind of pursuing their dreams, if you will. And I was sitting there thinking that, hey, you know, this is amazing, but this burnout is real and I am tired and I am drained and I don't feel like I'm giving my best anymore and I'm not really being true to myself. But I felt like I wasn't really worthy to share about who I really was or the type of person that I was. And instead, I just kind of wanted to fit in. And I wanted to create the same type of imagery that I saw on all of the big, beautiful publications because that is what sold. And when I realized really that there was something else for me, that was when I really just started kind of recognizing that burnout was not a healthy way of living and the overwhelm and that anxiety was really detrimental to my creativity and to the life that I was living. I wasn't able to be with my family as much. I was traveling every weekend, driving far away to go to weddings and just kind of trying to overcome that hustle, but never really feeling like I could be my true self because I was constantly just trying to run the rat race. Yeah. And so did, do you think from the outside that it looked like you were super successful? 
Absolutely. I think, you know, the perfect little Instagram squares perpetuate that concept. They make everybody feel like everybody has this beautiful life and that everything is perfect. And I think the thing is, is I try and be really true to who I am, but there was a season when I wasn't able to even be creative in that true, authentic, sincere self, because I kind of was just acting almost like a robot. I would go through the motions to make sure that all of the work would get done because the to-do list was long and it was overwhelming and it would just keep coming. And ultimately it was something that I had to be able to kind of keep doing the work and to perpetuate that I was able to run this business because we run businesses, yes, to pursue our dreams, but also because they pay the bills and we had to be able to pay the bills. And it can be really tough when you are trying to showcase the work that you do and the beauty that you're capturing and what you're creating, but also trying to actually be true to yourself. So Instagram perpetuates that, but I discovered later on that stories is actually something that really allows me to kind of speak that true inner self. And I'm excited to talk a little bit more about Instagram stories in that way. Yeah, I love Instagram stories. I don't do them enough, but I I remember when they first came out and I was like, wow, I, I don't have to be perfect now because it can just yeah. come up and it's going to disappear in like 24 hours and I can just be myself. And so that was right. my first reaction when um, yes, Instagram stories, so you know, first became something on the scene. So no, before, I totally agree. Yeah, before you found your inner voice, um, you just talked a bit about like what life was like, but in terms of, you know, how it affected your life or your willingness and passion to create, you know, did you have mindset that sort of stopped you from embracing your true voice? Yeah, absolutely. So there was one moment that I remember really distinctly during that season that I was actually just cleaning the dishes in the kitchen with my husband. And this is kind of a defining time during that season for me. And I was prepping for a project that I was working on and wanted to make sure that it was really, really great. I had been working on it for quite a few weeks and was going to present to a company that I was really excited about working with. They had hired me. They were flying up to their headquarters. And I was telling him that I was just feeling like I couldn't do anything right, that I had to fit in, that they were expecting something from me that wasn't actually what I could provide. And I was just worried that I was going to fail them, that I wasn't going to be good enough. And that once again, kind of like I wasn't worthy to share who was I to be able to share on a content on a on content or on concepts that they could hire anyone in the world to do. And I told him, I said, I just wish that everything was more perfect in every way. And I look back at that and I remember he kind of looked at me with that look of being like, Lauren, do you hear yourself? You can't keep, you can't keep pressuring yourself in this situation. You can't keep adding this stress. You can't just keep pursuing something that you know that you're just looking for the hustle and keeping trying to go when really you just need to take a break and recognize that perfection is not going to come. And that if you keep trying to be something that you're not, that you are just going to keep experiencing extreme senses of burnout and that overwhelm and that anxiety, it's not going to go away. So that kind of that concept of wanting everything to be more perfect really stifled my creativity and stifled who I was. It was something that I was constantly trying to be perfect to pursue this concept of perfection that just doesn't really exist. And instead, I wanted to be able to show people that I could do anything and be anything for anyone when really I just needed to be myself. And that was something that I really learned during that season was being able to kind of recognize that being myself is the most perfect that I can be. So that's that was something that was definitely a big eye opener for me. And I feel like it's less effort. You know, like if you're just going to be yourself, you, you just are, you know, you don't have to be try to do anything else or um, fit in and 
you know, it just comes a lot, it comes easier when you can embrace that. Absolutely. It's so true. I have found that there is such a sense of joy now that I feel. And yes, there are still surely moments that I feel that struggle for the perfection. It's always going to be with me, with the type of person that I am and my upbringing. I always am going to kind of strive for this perfection and strive to be something that maybe I'm not always going to be able to achieve at. But when I realized that actually kind of just embracing who I am, it actually has brought so much more joy in my life and has made it so that I live so much more of a full life. And ultimately, I feel like it gives people permission also to do the same, to kind of embrace who they are and be themselves and really just kind of find joy in the work that they're doing and in the way that they share. Yeah, I mean, that just sounds, I love that idea so much. And I'm trying this year as my theme is to bring more joy in my life. So I'm constantly just looking at the little things and how I can just turn that around so that I am just being myself and what I actually want to do with my life, you know, whether it's creativity or just being comfortable in my own skin. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm so eager to hear about how you find, how you found your unique voice, you know, was it a moment where you just had an epiphany or do you think you were just really ready and present to receive such a gift? That is such a good question. So there is actually a moment that I guess you could kind of call the epiphany moment. And I think that it had been leading up to this for a while. I had been feeling that burnout and feeling the kind of struggle to fit in and be something, just kind of be that perfect perfection in this creative industry. And, um, but I actually was on my way to kind of that dream wedding, if you will. I live in the South. So if anyone, uh, the South of the United States, I should clarify that. Um, (laughs) so if anyone has ever seen pictures of kind of the quintessential big oak trees with the gorgeous Spanish, Spanish moss dripping off of them, um, overlooking the water, I was on my way to a wedding. Oh, it sounds like a photographer's dream. It was. It was absolutely a photographer's dream. And that's the thing. That's why I said I felt guilty that I was feeling this sense of burnout. I was just tired and needed a break truthfully and I was on my way to that wedding and it is still to this day one of my favorite weddings that I've ever shot and I was listening to the audiobook and I know that you've spoken about it a little bit before it's Big Magic is the name of the book and it's by Elizabeth Gilbert I was listening to it and I had gotten to the end of the book I I listened to a lot of audiobooks because with wedding photography I had been traveling a lot And I had gotten to the end of the book and there's this one particular chapter that she talks about little brother. And if anyone has ever listened to the audiobook or read it, then you know this general concept. It's about little brother who lives in Paris and he actually goes and he meets what she calls a rare breed of aristocrat at a coffee shop and they take a liking to him. And little brother is an artist. He has actually moved to Paris to pursue his art and he will show anyone his work and is just on fire for being a creative. And the rare breed of aristocrat invites him to a party. And they say, this is going to be the party of the century. It's in the Loire Valley. Come, you do not want to miss out. Also, it's a costume party. So go all out. We will see you there. So little brother spends his entire week looking all over Paris to find this amazing costume. And he does not hold back one bit. He rents a car. He drives to the Loire Valley. And he shows up at the door. He changes into his costume for this costume ball and he walks up to the door where the butler finds his name and and welcomes him in. And this is when she describes that the rare breed of aristocrat did not lead him wrong that it was a party and that it was a costume ball. But little brother discovered at this moment that it was actually a medieval court 
And these are kings and queens all over Europe who have come in their finest with jewels and heirloom, beautiful, beautiful costumes. And little brother is standing at the top of the ballroom dressed as a homemade lobster. That's the best part. So, <laughs> it's the best. And Elizabeth Gilbert kind of talks about this concept. She says, she's like, hey, this is when I should probably let you know that little brother, little brother is over six feet tall and he has little antenna for his lobster costume. He's dressed head to toe. And he also is the only American in the room. So she kind of talks about this fact that he's completely out of place and he has this choice, right? We all have this choice where at that moment we can either turn around and run or we can put our little antenna on and take a step into the ballroom. And even if we don't feel like we fit in, even if we don't feel like we are the perfect picture of what needs to be in that particular space, we have the opportunity to step in. So little brother does just that. And he walks in and they talk about that the entire room kind of sputters to a stop and all eyes turn to little brother and someone says, what on earth are you? And he bows deeply and replies, I am the court lobster. And she describes it that everyone laughs with joy, not ridicule. They love him and they embrace him wholeheartedly because of his quirkiness and his weirdness and the fact that he has come in a homemade lobster costume. He ends up dancing with the queen of Belgium. And she talks about this concept that basically it's this idea that you have the opportunity to step into the room. And as I was driving into St. Simon's sitting there, I listened to this story three different times all in a row and I sobbed every single time because I was feeling that overwhelm of feeling like I was walking into a room where I recognized that I knew that I couldn't keep pursuing this rat race, but I didn't quite know where to go. And I didn't know that my voice actually would even be needed in the industry in general. And so I was standing there at that precipice kind of, if you will, where little brother was prepared to walk in. And I was going into this beauty of a wedding, preparing to go in and do, do what I know that I can do well. But I also was feeling that genuine desire to kind of revamp the way that I work and the re in the way that I speak and the way that I share and reading this, or if you will, listening to it gave me that permission for the first time to really embrace my inner lobster and step into the room without fear of failure or fear of not feeling welcome or feel fear of that self doubt or that judgment and be able to just step in and embrace that authentic, sincere, true self. And it was just a really powerful moment for me. So after I dried off my tears a little bit and went and shot the wedding, from there, I've really kind of taken a turn in the way that I do my life and my business. And it, like I said, it really has brought so much more joy. Yeah, I mean, that I've read the book and I do remember feeling similar things to you when I read the story about Little Brother and I think just before, for everyone listening out there, before Lauren and I jumped on this episode, we were just, um, what's what I'm trying to use? We were just like reconvening on the story and how that is playing out in our lives at the moment. And, you know, I read Big Magic quite some time ago, but it's amazing that today where he's sharing that because I sort of need to hear that because I'm doing things that I've been dreaming about for, you know, six months. And it's big and it's scary. And I think, you know, are people going to like it and are people going to hate it? And what are they going to say? And so Lauren had read out the passage from the book and was saying to me, you know, you need to, to go to the party. So I think we should 
maybe read that point for people out there because you know I've created this thing and I believe in it a lot but there is that fear like you know am I fitting in or am I belonging but um to have that doubt as well you know but I think that I've created it because it's me and it's my voice and it's how how I do things and what I believe in so yeah I would love to share I think it's such a powerful little excerpt from the book and so this is right after she talks about little brother kind of entering that ballroom and she says this is how you must do it people I have never created anything in my life that did not make me feel at some point or another like I was the guy who just walked into a fancy ball wearing a homemade lobster costume but you must stubbornly walk into that room regardless, and you must hold hold your head high. You made it, you get to put it out there. Never apologize for it, never explain it away, never be ashamed of it. You did your best with what you knew, and you worked with what you had in the time you were given. You were invited, and you showed up, and you simply cannot do more than that. They might throw you out, but then again, they might not. They probably won't throw you out, actually. The ballroom is often more welcoming and supportive than you could ever imagine. Somebody might even think that you're brilliant and marvelous you might end up dancing with royalty. Or you might just end up having to dance alone in the corner of the castle with your big ungainly red foam claws waving in the empty air. That's fine too, sometimes it's like that. But what you absolutely must not do is turn around and walk out. Otherwise, you will miss the party. And that would be a pity because please believe me, we did not come all this great distance and make all this great effort only to miss the party at the last moment. Amazing. (laughs) I just love that so much. Yeah, I remember, I mean, I was obviously sobbing in the car listening to it. And it was just something that I think for me, it was definitely a reminder that each of us is different. And each of us is going to experience fears and self-doubt and struggles with perfection and struggles with anxiety or mental illness in different ways. And ultimately, being able to kind of embrace that inner voice gives us an opportunity to kind of be unique to ourselves and to stand out in an industry that can feel very cookie cutter and to be able to really find our strengths and capitalize on those and take advantage of the fact that each of us has something unique to offer and each of us has a really important voice to be able to share. And I just really always, it's something that I really want people to feel the confidence and feel the permission to get their face without makeup on Instagram stories and talk about what's going on in their day and share their behind the scenes because it lets people into their lives to show them that we are real humans. We are normal people. And no matter the type of work that you're doing or the type of things that you're sharing, ultimately you do have a place. And as, as also a food photographer, I really firmly believe in this concept that we all have a place at the table, that we have a voice to share and that by being able to embrace your inner voice, you're able to stand out and be something unique. And instead of just fitting in, you're actually belonging. And I know that Rachel, we talked a lot about that beforehand. It was this idea of being able to kind of think of the difference between fitting in and belonging. Yeah. So let's, let's um, elaborate on that point a little bit more because I think it's super important Um, So we were chatting about this, you know, over email and stuff when we were coming up with the podcast episode idea and you had said, you know, this is what you wanted to talk about and you were talking about this idea of belonging and I had read in the past year a book by Brene Brown and she was discussing the difference between fitting in and belonging and, you know, language is so powerful and the older I get, the more I realize that 
the vocabulary that I use like drives my mindset and how I see the world. And some people may already know this, but for me, I didn't realize how much fitting in, like the, the definition of what it means to fit in is really not powerful. So fitting in essentially means that you're, you change or you shift aspects of yourself so that you can fit in with a community or a group. And, and that's just, there's nothing powerful in that, having to change parts of yourself um, versus like belonging, which means that you are included into that group based on being who you truly are. And that is so much more powerful. And I remember reading um, the book and thinking, why would someone ever want to just try and fit in? And I think in our lives, like especially as teenagers, we tried to fit in all the time or, you know, we might create something online and we're trying to fit in and then, you know, it doesn't, we wonder why it doesn't work for us or it doesn't fulfill us. And it's it's that small distinction of do you want to fit in or do you want to belong? And so I'll just share a little bit on my side of when I started my blog and my journey in food photography. Um, I loved the concept of blogging and I'd never done it before. So I had looked at everyone else who was sharing food pictures and I thought I needed to do a food blog. So I did and I absolutely hated it. Like I love cooking, but I do not want to follow a recipe. Like I just like making stuff and putting it out there. So my journey of having a food block really didn't bring me any joy. It didn't contribute anything positive to my life. And the only reason I was doing it was because I was trying to fit in online. I didn't know what else to do. And so I realized that it wasn't working for me, um, but it wasn't until recently that I realized why. And it's because I was trying to fit in and I wasn't belonging. And so in the last 12 to 18 months when I've been true to myself and true to my authentic voice, if you, I guess if you like, is that I was uh-huh. really, um, I found myself in a community where people were accepting me for who I was, for the fact that I just want to put photos out there without a recipe and that I'm not great at writing recipes or following recipes. And so, you know, but these people still embraced me anyway. And so that is how powerful that distinction can be. So um, I'm just wondering, like, for you, how that, like, did you have a shift versus, like, when you found that you were belonging to a community and how different it felt from when you were trying to just fit in with the the rat race and, you know, everything, the cookie cutter industry? Absolutely. So when I first came into the industry, like I said, with a background in communications, I had a camera and friends were getting married. And I said, I guess I could be a wedding photographer. And I started realizing that, yes, like I absolutely love weddings. But what I love about weddings is the fact that I get to serve people in them and that I get to celebrate a really joyful day with someone and be able to kind of come alongside them to capture something that's really important to them and to tell their story. And so I started realizing that for me, Fitting in doesn't necessarily mean looking like everyone else, because ultimately that's not exciting for anyone. If we all just look the same, if we all sound the same, fitting in really kind of stifles who we are in our creativity. And so I started realizing that where I could belong well is by that concept of service and joy and being able to celebrate with people. And that isn't just done through wedding photography. That can be done through food photography. That can be done through gathering people around a table and not following a recipe and making whatever food you (laughs) want to make for them. 
It can be done by one thing that I do a lot with my clients is I help them kind of come up with their brand voice for whatever their company is and help them launch their new brand through communication strategy. And ultimately, I started realizing that this concept of fitting in, I was trying to fit into the mold of just being a wedding photographer. When in reality, there are so many other things that I know fill me up and bring me joy. And I was not letting that voice speak. And so when I really started realizing that I could be the lobster in the room and that people might think I'm weird and quirky, I might dance in the corner with my ungainly foam claws, but I might have the opportunity to be a part of a community that is really special. That's when it really changed for me. It really allowed me to realize that belonging is something really special and something that everybody is able to and deserves to have. And I started being a part of something called the Rising Tide Society, which is an organization that thrives in the spirit of community over competition. And it's this idea that we all can come together and by uplifting others, we actually are better ourselves. And so that was the first time that I really felt like I could be myself, be true to the work that I do and the person that I am and still fit in, if you will, simply by belonging to be a part of a community that cares about the work that we're doing, regardless of who you are, and speaks inclusivity and brings joy to including everyone who wants to be a part. And I think that that's something that's really, really unique and special. And a good reminder to us that we don't have to fit in. We don't have to be something that we don't think that we are just to fit in. And instead, we really just need to be able to, kind of like you said, recognize what it is that's not bringing us joy, addressing it, and then ultimately pursuing the things that really uplift us and showcase our passions and our true voice. And so that's something that I have just loved in the past six to eight months to be able to really learn about more and be able to embrace and kind of see a shift in my business and a shift in my mindset and ultimately know that just by being able to stand out, we actually are being remarkable. And so I kind of want to showcase this concept that Seth Godin talks about a little bit. It's his book, The Purple Cow. And it's actually that the idea of a key to success is actually by finding a way to stand out. Because if you drive by endless rows of fields and fields and fields of cows, you say, oh, there's another cow. They all look, all look the same. But what happens when you drive by a field where one cow is purple? You stop, you do a double take, and you note on it. And it is remarkable. It's something worth remarking on. And I found that by kind of Embracing that inner voice and recognizing that I belong regardless of what I'm doing and who I am, that there are people who will love me and support me and uplift me. That is when I started realizing that I actually could be the purple cow and it would make my business better because I was unique and different. It would make marketing easy because there was something to remark about. And so ultimately, it's something that for anyone who's feeling that kind of concept of that they need to fit in, that they need to fit a mold. Really, I would encourage you just to dig deep and figure out what it is that really makes you tick and really makes you you, because ultimately, then you have the option of figuring out what your strengths are, living in those, divining your own version of success, and then ultimately embracing truly who you genuinely are. And it's super freeing and such an amazing place to be. So on, just on that point, like if someone was going to find what their unique voice was, like I'm assuming that the journey to finding that is going to be different for each individual. So, you know, we've heard your story. Um, and just for me, there was like a couple of moments where I did read something that I was ready to have that shift. Is there any kind of, um, 
like suggestions or places to start for people who are, you know, feeling a little bit stuck and feeling like they, they haven't found their purpose or haven't found their voice, you know, where should they start to embark on that journey? Absolutely. So one thing that I recommend to everyone is to actually ask people what they think you're good at. So find your trusted friends, your mentors, the people who do life with you day in, day out. Ask them what it is that they see as a strength of yours or what they see that you're really talented in. Because a lot of times we have that self-doubt. We have that factor in us that says, no, we're not good enough. We're not worthy of speaking. We're not worthy of sharing our creativity. We're not worthy of stepping into that room. When in reality, we often are our harshest critics. I know I am. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like I am always the person who gives myself, I'm like my the worst boss ever for myself because I'm so mean Totally to the same person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so finding someone else to speak that into you and encourage you in that way is actually one of the best ways that I can encourage people to find that inner voice and to start pursuing that they really feel like is true to them. So I recommend coming up with a list of questions and it might be something that, what do you think that I'm talented at? What makes you feel uplifted that I do for you? And then what is something that maybe I'm not seeing about myself? Those are three good questions that you can ask other people. And a lot of times they'll call out things in you that you never even knew that were something that was something that's really true to you. And it helps recognize what your strengths are. It helps speak encouragement into you to recognize that you do have value in the work that you do and what you have offered to share. And so ultimately, you are able to kind of start on a path of recognizing that there's something unique about you and there's something different. And in all the work that we do, no matter what kind of industry you're in, you could look the same as someone else. But the only thing that is different from me to Rachel to anyone else is the fact that it's me. And so if you can have someone else show you what it is that you are doing or what it is that you're unique, it's a great way to go ahead and start down that process of feeling encouraged to embrace that voice. And then finally, I also encourage people to take a little test in a book called Strengths Finder 2.0, and it is by Tom Rath, and you can find it on Amazon very easily for about 15 US dollars, and it has a list of strengths inside with details about the strengths, and at the end, there's a code for you to take a test, and it tells you your top five strengths. And so if you take that, you will very quickly read, I guarantee you, the details about the strengths that basically tell you kind of what you're good at and how you should be working and how how people would be most effective in working with you. And I think that is such a good way, once again, to kind of start recognizing that you have something unique and that being able to kind of embrace who you are and live in your strengths and work. I'm, I'm very passionate about people working in their strengths and not focusing on their weaknesses because those are things that oftentimes are innately something we cannot change. But if a strength of mine is that I am, for example, an achiever, what does achiever look like in the realm of my business? And how can I focus on being an achiever, but not, not feeling like I have to fit in, not feeling like I have to have perfection? And so reading this book has really given me a lot of insight and in recognizing kind of where my voice lies in this industry and how can I really be my, unique to myself and offer something special to a group of people who nobody wants to be just the monochrome cow. Everybody wants to be something special. So I recommend definitely checking out StrengthsFinder 2.0 and also just taking time for yourself. Everybody needs a little bit of time to reflect, to get away. I, while I was traveling, obviously was alone. And when you're alone with your thoughts, a lot goes on in that brain up there. <laughs> it definitely and does. So, <laughs> taking some time just to reflect on where you're at, 
what brings you joy, what is draining you, what is causing burnout, and then ultimately who you really feel like you are wanting to be because it's true to you, not because someone else is asking you to be that. So taking that time and really reflecting and owning who you are and embracing the sincere, true, genuine version of yourself is just such a valuable and powerful thing. Yeah, that's great advice. I have read that book. Um, it was probably maybe about 10 years ago now, but I there's a couple of strengths that I know that throughout my life since then, I have always um, called upon to know yep, that like absolutely. that's who I am and that's where my values lie. And I do live my um, day-to-day life and my business through those strengths. So mm-hmm. it's definitely awesome. a great place to start. And I think the exercise about asking other people what they see of you, you know, I've, I've also done that in different forums and there'll be times where people will, will write something down that they think you're good at or that you're strong at or they like about you. And you look at that piece of paper and you feel proud and you're like, yes, that's, that's who I want to be. And so the exercise for me, like I really took that when I looked at what they were saying, there was certain points that I was like, that's who I want to be. And that's who I am being. And I just need to be true to, you know, continuing to share that way. So I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's really empowering and encouraging and really helped me kind of take the next step. Once I had that epiphany moment, take the next step and just really embrace that lobster. Just own it and be my quirky lobster self and rock it. Yeah, so we should so, create a hashtag for for this episode with the some kind of be a lobster or be a crazy uh-huh. lobster or whatever. Because <laughs> it's embrace it's really, your inner lobster. Yeah, embrace embrace your inner lobster. Sounds wonderful. Well, it was so great chatting with you today, Lauren. I hope that everyone listening is able to understand a bit more of this concept of embracing your inner voice and what it truly means for you as well as the community. So it's been lovely having you um, and thanks for sharing all these knowledge bombs with us today. Thanks. It's been such an honor. I want to thank Lauren for sharing her story with us today and motivating us to embrace our inner lobster. Lauren has given us a number of resources that have helped her on her road to finding her authentic inner voice, and those include Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, Purple Cow by Seth Godin, and Strength Finder 2.0 by Tom Rath. Be sure to check them out. If you'd like to connect with Lauren and soak up some of her realness that she shares with our community, head on over to Lauren L. Counts on Instagram. That's it for this episode of The Mindful Creative. A big thanks to all the creatives who make this podcast possible. And until we meet again, thanks for listening.